Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Showsworth Initiative podcast. I'm your host, Jay Christian, along with my co-host, Chris Green, here to bring you the latest in MBA and pop culture. Chris, how you doing, brother? Doing good, Jay. Excited about the uh, conversation and uh, ready to get into it. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate the enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before we get started, I want to remind all our listeners to click on that little subscribe button there. You can find us at iTunes. You can find us at Blog Talk Radio or uh, OTG.com, OTG Basketball, OTG Basketball. Uh, com, where you will find not only our pod, but a host of other pods uh, covering everything from the Celtics with the Celtic Express, the Brooklyn Nets and the Brooklyn Buzz, the JBT podcast, Full Access Hoops, the uh, NBA outlet hosted by Nick Fay and uh, other random guests. So we got you covered from the NBA front, or as my man Tyrese would say, what more do you want from me? <laughs> How's that? How's that for Tyrese? <laughs> Not I didn't that. know where you're going with it, but that is, that, <laughs> like, that brings it. Yeah, nice. What did Tyrese say? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, nice. Chris, since we last wrapped, um, we had a lengthy discussion about what was going to happen with uh, Jello Ball. Yeah. Uh, I am happy to report that his future is set. He and his brother LaMelo have just signed a deal to go play overseas in Lithuania. Um, and my Eastern European is really bad, so excuse me here. Prienu uh, Vietantis is a Lithuanian club that the two Ball brothers have signed contracts to, or with rather. Um, the director and GM of that club, Adomas Kublilius. Um, apologies nice. if he listens to this and sees that I butchered his name. Uh, has said that the boys will play with the club. Uh, the plan is to have the two Ball brothers play in the Baltic Basketball League, which is slightly a division slightly lower than the men's club. And it uh, looks like <laughs> they are getting uh, their start, their pro career started, Chris. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I read that the, the town, I guess, that they're in is about 10,000 people. So it's going to be quite the... Uh, Quite the difference than, the, than they're probably used to. Gino I think they can go around the corner and, <laughs> yeah, they can go around the corner to an In-N-Out Burger, and I think the closest In-N-Out Burger is 5,500 miles away. Uh, so I did read they were trying to, to eat some cabbage dish on their next episode of, of, uh, of their show, and I guess, they're, I guess that's some, one of the main meals there. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I, I did read where it looks like they're not expected to get a lot of playing time, which surprised me a little bit. I, I kind of figured that they were going to try to pick a team, uh, assuming that they had more than one suitor. Maybe they didn't, uh, where they could actually get a lot of playing time. But uh, honestly, I, I see this working for four to five weeks uh, before he pulls them out. I mean, I, I cannot imagine them lasting the full year. It, it, even if they get to the point where they, they meet with the team in January and then they get to a game, let's say, and all the practices go well, uh, if they don't get the playing time in the first game, that's it. Uh, LeVar so, famously pulled his team off the court if he didn't like a referee's call sure. in, in summer league. So, right. yeah, I don't see this lasting very long. Interesting. I'm a little more optimistic about this. I have my concerns uh, on a few fronts. Uh, for all of our listeners who did not know, um, once upon a time in my life, I tried to make a career as a professional basketball player uh, playing in the league in Switzerland. Uh, my dad's a lifetime international player. Uh, bounced around from Turkey and Japan, 
I think he had a stint in Italy before deciding on Switzerland and playing there until he retired. So I tried to make that a career for myself. I can tell you that it is a different game over there, over there being Europe or any other place that is uh, not the United States for professional basketball. And some of the concerns have been raised with this club in particular, which are common with most leagues, quite frankly. Um, some of your top leagues are Spain and France. Um, <clears throat> the league in Israel are some of the best in the world, uh, just a notch below the NBA. Other leagues, like this one in Lithuania, um, you run into problems that um, your paycheck may not be there after each game. Yeah, it's very common that uh, you don't get paid in cold hard cash, but maybe the manager puts you up in, you know, with an apartment and a car, and he happens also in a restaurant, so you get three squares a day from that restaurant. But uh, there could be cash flow problems. Uh, as the American, which my dad and uncle always told me, as the American, you're expected to go there and perform and put up numbers. Um, your teammates can have lackluster games, but if you're the American playing an American game overseas, you are expected to produce. And I'm talking yep. Gilbert Arenas, James Harden numbers. Um, <laughs> so that is concerning. Um, and you have recent stories of Emmanuel Moutier, um, Brandon Jennings, guys going overseas rather than going to college. Right. Getting through those seasons, but admitting very candidly that those were some uh, that was a tough season for each of those players, respectively. Yeah. And they so, weren't 16 years old. Uh, speaking of the youngest uh, right. ball brother. So, yeah. But on the other hand, that is also very common. That being that, you know, most schools, I think in Europe anyway, don't have, you know, unlike the, the collegiate setting here in the United States, most uh, European countries have club teams. Right. So you have the essentially the varsity, which is the men. But a lot of those clubs have junior teams. So you find that um, your Ricky Rubio's, uh, Tony Parker. Yeah, I was going to, yeah, I was going to say Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, Tabo Cephalosha. I remember a quick story. The first time I was in Switzerland, um, I went to play at open gym and Tabo had just signed with OKC and he was his first, I think first Swiss player, Swiss born player to sign the NBA. So it was a big deal. And he'd play with my dad, but he was, you know, getting splinters uh, in his backside when he was 15, 16 years old, <laughs> splitting time between the junior team and the pro team. Uh, he just got drafted. And by the way, you know, we're playing an open gym and that was by far, like not even close, the best player I've ever seen in my life up close. Really? You fast forward and you see, you know, Kobe or LeBron score 40 on Cephalosha. Gives you an idea of where you are in the pecking order. Right, right. Um, Seth Losha was out there that day, and oh my God, that was the best, absolute best player I'd ever seen or been on the court with, I should say. I mean, I've seen greater players, but shared a court with like bar none, Tabo Cephalosha. And I've seen LeBron James get a triple double on him, just to give you an idea. But wow. uh, long winded story here, just to say, uh, you know, they're playing in the BBL, not to be confused with the BBB, the Baltic Basketball <laughs> League, which is a step lower than I say like the full on pro team. So if they can get minutes there, sort of publicity to ride with the big boys uh, on trips and things like that, but also get time within what amounts to the JV squad. I don't see it as that big of a problem. Cash in their hand, cash in their pockets, um, you know, between. Well, the but what do you do with that cash now that you're in a city with 10,000 people? I don't suspect that you have any nightlife. Uh, maybe there's more trouble to get into than just normal. Um, I think we're, I think maybe that's where I'm coming from. Uh, is, is LeVar going to stay out there with them? Uh, is he going to start filming the show from that location? 
uh, I guess those are kind of the unanswered questions that really go into the total experience, and I just don't see it lasting the entire year. Yeah, um, that is the thing, which is funny, though, because that's not that uncommon, that being guys bouncing around, you know, overseas. And again, you know, except for the the Germanys, the Frances, the Spains, um, guys move around a lot. Guys go. Yeah, up and let me be clear. I, I don't mean that I think that it's going to end in four to five weeks and then they both come home. I think they end up in a different league and maybe even a lower league if he finds out that he can't get playing time at this league. Uh, that's kind of more where I see it going. So, and I get it, and this is kind of switching the subject a little bit without fully addressing what you just said. So, um, apologies, but, you know. That's fine. So, I get (laughs) it for Leangelo, or sorry, um, yeah, Jello. I get it for him in the sense that he left UCLA. I'm not that mad at that, particularly as LeVar described what the punishment was. They sort of issued the code red on on, uh, Jello and the other kids. Um, so I can understand him as a parent saying, you know, you're not going to exploit my kids and have them sit in there. And if they're not playing any ball and they can't even go work out, then what's the point? I kind of understand right. that argument. I understand that he has to be playing ball. If he has any hope of having a pro career, you know, he can't just sort of be on the reality show and not involved in anything else. Right. What I don't quite understand it for is uh, LaMelo. Um, I get him being homeschooled. I understand that. Uh, but you know, to your point, who's going to be there? Who's going to be their guardian? Uh, it's interesting that LaMelo would make this move. I would think that he would homeschool and train. And then, you know, when he hits his 18th birthday, maybe try out for the D league. Right. Um, I just, well, everything I just that I've seen. Yeah. Everything. Sorry to cut you off. Everything that I've seen is LaVar made this choice because it was the chance to get both of them on the same team on the same court at the same time. So that really, is what led to the decision. He even said the money doesn't matter. Uh, and so I think what he's thinking is that with maybe two years, I guess, left in high school, uh, he's going to get better exposure competition-wise even in this lower-level league, and maybe that's the approach while still being with his brother. If you could have went to Switzerland with a family member to ride out that experience and also play with that family member, would it have made your experience better? Yeah, because that was the part of Switzerland for folks that don't know. We're always bringing education here on the Shuttlesworth Initiative podcast. So there's no national language in Switzerland. Right? They don't speak Swiss. Uh, depending on what country you border, they're either speaking Italian, French, or German. And I was in the French-speaking part of Switzerland. And newsflash, um, I don't speak any French. <laughs> How's your French? Yeah. <laughs> so I would try, and I'm all like, Sue, play. And they're like, just shut up. Just point to the menu. <laughs> we will you know, we'll help you out. Menu with pictures is your best bet. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, not to broadly stereotype my Eastern European brothers, but a lot of my teammates in Switzerland uh, were either Lithuanian or Yugoslavian. And um, those guys, uh, I remember in practice. So the first coach I had was Yugoslavian coach. And a lot of my teammates were also uh, Yugoslavian. So I was the only American there, which meant I was uh, only American on the team, I should say. So, which meant, I was the only full-time basketball player. Everyone else had other jobs. They were mechanics, they were lawyers, what have you, doctors. I would show up to the gym without fail, you know, practice at five o'clock. These guys are getting off work. The coach and all my other Yugoslavian teammates are all burning through heaters, just smoking cigarettes left and right, uh, 30 minutes before practice, talking and not really talking to me, but it's cool. Um, You know, five o'clock would hit, they'd all put out their last heater. We'd go practice and these guys would practice so freaking hard. 
And then we'd have a game after the game. They want to go drink beers, stay out all night long. I'd have hangovers for days with these guys. <laughs> so one time I asked one of my teammates, you know, you know, what gives, man? You guys go hard, but you also go hard in the games and in practice. And he said to me, he's like, you know, Jay, when, you know, you grew up with bombs in your country, playing basketball for two, for two hours is not that hard. And I said, huh, perspective. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, kidding. Yeah. Uh, so all that to say, these are grown men, grown right. men with families, uh, grown men who have seen some shit. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how Mello's going to do out there with these guys. I don't know how Jello's going to do. Well, they may do better than if LeVar starts coming around and throwing his weight around. He He's the he's sort of the wild card if he decides to be the guardian that I don't know if they'll put up with this shit or not. Right. No, I agree. Uh, it's uh, It should be interesting. I think it'll be definitely um, uh, something to watch out for, to say the least. But I, I do. I, your point is well taken that. I could see a situation where it's not working out. They try the publicity stunt, which happens all the time, by the way. Like, you know, leagues overseas will sign a guy. It's like, oh, this league, this team signed Dennis Rodman. It's like, why would you sign a right. 15-year-old Dennis Rodman? And it's all right. the, the pub. And, well, and well, well, let me ask you, let me ask you this. What is the best case scenario? Both of them go over there. They dominate. Uh, it rises the stock of Jell-O. He gets drafted next year. I mean, is that really? Do you think the the best case scenario that maybe Lavar thinks is going to happen? I think best case is they play ball, um, and I could see I could see Lavar doing this. And they they go to so best case on the court is they're under the radar, like they'll make Sports Center, but Lavar is is still hyping the brand, still working the scenes, working behind the scenes to continue to get the Triple B label off the ground, but on the court. Um, Jello's learning how to be a pro. He's working with men. He's figuring these things out. He's got a good support system. Same thing with Mello, and they're figuring out um, uh, figuring out how to uh, be professionals. Um, Mello, uh, you know, I think in a couple of years is ready for the draft because I can see a situation because they'd be free agents essentially, right? And right. I think Mello is the one that's projected to actually, you know, have the NBA talent at some point. Um, so I can see a situation where he gets drafted and then uh, Jello, after putting some years in overseas, um, you know, getting some some time under his belt as a pro, then tries to sign as a free agent. Because I think ideally to have them all in the Lakers, I think what would what would work best for uh, LeVar is in a couple of years, the Lakers are are better, you know, maybe not championship banner style in two or three years, but they're better. And so LaMelo, you know, maybe goes to the maybe he slips to the second round and the Lakers pick him up and take a flyer on him. And he's a Laker. And then they sign as a, as a free agent, um, a, you know, pre-camp free agent, they sign Jello. And then all the ball brothers are there, at least for the preseason, see how it works out. And then I think that's ideal for LeVar. I think that would be dream. Sure. Team. That's the overall goal to get them all in the Lakers. Well, that better happen in the next three years. Cause I'm on the record after that rookie contract, Lonzo's out of there. <laughs> uh, we will revisit. Uh, speaking <laughs> yes. of uh, the NBA and topics we covered, we have a theme here. Uh, in our last pod, we also discussed who was the MVP, uh, James Harden or LeBron James. We debated back and forth. You showed your uh, homerism, your stanism for LeBron James <laughs> yet again, uh, to the surprise of absolutely no one. All right. Coming to find out, fast forward a week later, um, there are reports. 
uh, most notably by Sam Amick of the USA Today, followed by subsequent reports that sort of piggyback off Sam's great article, that Houston, of all places, and not the Los Angeles Lakers, or maybe the Clippers, are a destination spot, potentially, for LeBron James in this round of free agency. Um, what does your dog think, first of all? Let's ask him. Well, he had a big point to make, but he just ran out of the room, so I'm going to have to get his opinion later, yeah. I, I basically think that had Durant not gone to the Warriors, Yep. This would be looked at as a similar move if LeBron does go to Houston. you got a team that's essentially, because of a Kawhi injury, the second-best team uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, maybe they're not coming off a 73-win uh, season, and then LeBron joins in, in a Durant manner. But it would be interesting to see, just from the perspective of you have basically a team that knows its role, it's completely intact, and then LeBron would be joining versus the only other experience LeBron has is bringing in extra players uh, and then trying to form a team around that with Bosch coming from another team, Wade being there, and then LeBron obviously being the new guy. So it's it's probably the best team suited uh, for LeBron. I, I don't hear any of the LA talk anymore. And I even, I've seen some Philly talk, but I, I can't imagine unless he just really wants to stay in the Eastern Conference going to Philly, I think he'd just stay in Cleveland if that was the case. Uh, but as far as a team set up for him, um, minus him going to the Warriors, it, it would be Houston. Can score at the rim, and everybody's he's surrounded by shooters. I mean, that would be very ideal. How do you think he would work with uh, D'Antoni as the coach? Um, see, D'Antoni's system really works best when you have multiple ball handlers. Uh, I think where everyone was a little bit hesitant, including myself, when uh, CP3 went there, how everyone was going to share one ball. But we've seen, uh, what are they, on a 10-game win streak? They haven't lost since CP3's been back. Right. Um, It's really worked out very well. So I can't imagine adding another ball handler, especially LeBron. LeBron doesn't make any team worse. Uh, so I think that system system would really – you'd see more wide-open threes than – I mean, if you look at every three-point shooter he's ever played with, LeBron, that is, all of their percentages go up. If you look at non-three-point shooters, their percentages go up. I mean, Wade's three-point percentage even went up a few of those years in Miami. So uh, it, I think he'd do just fine in that system. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I, I look at it as Phoenix 2.0, right? So if you – if you, let's, let's – um, without diving into the numbers and without going into the cap and, you know, without having Nate Duncan on as a guest, um, let's skip the cap for now and just talk about that scenario, assuming they can keep pretty much that core together. Um, I think it looks like Phoenix 2.0 in this respect. I think LeBron becomes Sean Marion, Sean Marion. I was going to say Sean Merriman, which is a totally different pod uh, (laughs) altogether. Uh, Sean Marion, I think LeBron goes into that role, the sort of, you know, I think LeBron's going to continue to transition to the sort of stretch four. I mean, he likes getting those low post shots. He shoots those at a high percentage. Um, Still a great ball handler. Um, Can still defend at a high level, assuming he doesn't have to, you know, chase the Kevin Durant of the world around for 48 minutes. Um, I think he's Sean Marion uh, 2.0 in that spot. I think Capella is not the same offensive uh, threat as Amari Stoudemire was, but is a better defender, I think, on balance than 
uh, Amari ever was, quite frankly. So the team comes together. I think it's interesting to see D'Antoni sort of get those pieces that he that he always wanted and recreate that magic um, with the Houston Rockets should LeBron end up in a, in a Rockets uniform. Now, the talk has always been, and LeBron has made no bones about this, wants to own a team, wants to be a billionaire. Um, he has interest outside of basketball, still very fo- much focused on the basketball, but um, looking to parlay his success on the court to extended business ventures off of it. We've already seen that with some game right. shows producing, got some very successful shows on cable now. Isn't LA the place for that to continue to jump off or does Houston suit him just fine? So I think Maverick Carter was asked a similar question about doesn't LA make sense because of either movies or shows that he could do. And, you know, Maverick said essentially you only have a set amount of time to shoot things. Uh, it's a three month window. So it's, it's not as if now that just because you may be down the street from a shooting location that during the season, you have time to do any of that. Right. Um, so I, I don't even necessarily see that as a, a main sticking point uh, for LeBron being out in LA. I mean, everyone connected the dots simply because he had a home out there, but if that's the case, he would have already chosen to go out there if that was purely one of the reasons. Uh, so uh, I would almost eliminate LA if the thought process is purely from LeBron trying to extend the brand out because uh, I mean, Jordan became a billionaire by owning a team in Charlotte. He didn't have to go uh, to necessarily a huge market to increase his value that way. And with LeBron already in a head start as far as maybe value at the age where Jordan was and he is uh, money-wise, he could really go anywhere and, and make a billion dollars. That's true. I wonder, and he, I just had a thought when you're talking about LA not actually not making sense. I had several thoughts going on in my head, so we'll just take them all at once. Um, John Nash style. Um, yeah, bring it. <laughs> first thought was with that comment, what happens with Paul George? We, again, I mean, this is kind of back to the future podcast here. We talked about OKC and what that team's looking like. Uh, they hadn't really got better. It's weird to me because I watch them play and they're not, they don't look bad all the time. And I still think if they pull it together, that's the team that, you know, on balance can give the most challenge to the Golden State Warriors. But it just, doesn't seem to be working yet. I know we're a quarter of the season in super early to even project whether or not this is a good fit for all involved. But on the one hand, I say, ah, this isn't working out. Um, Paul George, you know, is going to LA. This has been his dream. He grew up, you know, a Kobe stand like everyone in Southern California in the early 2000s. He's going to the Lakers. But at the same time, the Lakers, they're growing up. But I, I can't I, I, I can't see George going there for that sort of rebuild because in that in that respect, I think, you know, he should just stay. He should have stayed in Indiana if that were the case or OKC. So I, I guess that's right. the first point. So let's take that one first about what are, what do you think about Paul George's chances if LeBron, let's assume that he's not going to L.A. And like you say, he can make money anywhere in the world. Um, the brand is what's important, not the location. What does that do for Paul George's chances of going to the Lakers? Well, I see him staying in OKC if they somehow get to the Western Conference Finals and uh, put a good showing up uh, against us, assuming um, it's the Warriors, uh, all due respect to Houston. Um, 
However, if they underproduce, and right now they're ninth in the West and clearly not playing how they want to play, um, he's going to have to read the tea leaves and see where LeBron ends up. If LeBron stays in Cleveland, then he can go to L.A., and he basically plays the same role that he did in Indiana, but he's in the city that he wants to be in. So I could still see him going there, uh, albeit is their roster set up to make you know for some sort of contention? Obviously not. If he's able to get LeBron to go to uh, L.A., uh, then it makes, you know, it's a no-brainer to also join him in L.A. But, he, I mean, if his goal is to win championships, he needs to see where, number one, where LeBron is going and then basically make his decision off that because uh, OKC talent-wise is going to give him the best chance if you just purely look at talent. But I think he also needs to look at going to San Antonio. And it ah, to me, there's basically four – yeah, four teams essentially have a chance always, and San Antonio is one of them, and it's purely because of Popovich and Kawhi. Who are the other teams, just out of curiosity? Uh, Warriors, any team that LeBron is on, and then Houston. <laughs> I and, and so and that's a good point. I wonder, too, and you know, if you want to hear some more analysis on OKC and what exactly is going on with them, you can check out the NBA Outlet pod. Uh, shout out to those guys did great work uh, breaking down what is going right and what is going horribly wrong with the OKC Thunder right now. Uh, I tend to agree with with that analysis, Chris, in that, you know, I wonder if George and Westbrook aren't kind of looking at each other and saying, well, you know, if we if one of us was gone and their names were not Westbrook or George, if one of the big three were not here next season, uh, maybe George re-ups and they go get that missing piece because um, I think having a having a score and having Paul George kind of fit in that Durant role, quite honestly, yeah. um, and, and maybe he re-ups with them, uh, Paul George re-ups with OKC, and they go hunting for some free agents together. Um, I like that team, and maybe George says, you know what, Oklahoma City is not that bad. You can still get it. Yeah, because we can agree Melo won't be there next year. I think that's right. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, I think, I think Melo right. goes – if LeBron goes to Houston, I think Melo goes and signs to Houston as well. And you got three of the four banana boat, and then maybe Wade signs of that minimum. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. that's <laughs> that's the whole crew. That's, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think if Melo's not back, which I can't see them having him back. I, but it's all, like you say, it's all – like if they get to the Western Conference Finals, and they say, look, we're – you know – you can you can justify um, bringing everyone back, and you say, okay, we just need to tweak a few things, um, which is typically where front offices get into trouble, right? They they have a magical one. They say we were so yep. close, let's overspend yep. on all these guys, and then you know you start next season, it's like, ooh boy, all right, how do we unload this? The, I think the worst scenario would be they get to the Western Conference Finals but get swept, because then I still think George leaves and Melo leaves. And I think Westbrook is content on staying in OKC forever and just being Westbrook, best yeah. player on the team and doesn't win championship. That's, it is what it is. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think, uh, I think he's content there. A lot of stuff came out. I think that folks didn't necessarily know about Westbrook when Durant left. Um, Durant's, you know, the bachelor, the guy who's more about the city, um, right. Westbrook's upbringing and just his family life. And he's not, you know, much of a clubber at, at all. Right. Um, just, content with his his baby and his wife and kind of hanging out with a small circle of people. Um, OKC, even though he's an L.A. kid, that's that's the pace of life for him as a person. Uh, I could totally see him 
from everything that I've read about him uh, staying there for the duration of his career and retiring um, a Thunder. Yep. Um, so, so that was one point that we talked about what happened with George with LeBron, uh, it, depending on LeBron's decision this summer. My second thought that I had with that conversation, um, with something that you said a second ago, let's say George says, all right, OKC, we got something here. Um, we got to tweak it a little, but we got some. This is my best shot. Um, I got a taste of it in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Pacers. We were so close. I want to taste the champagne again and see if we can't get over that mountaintop. He stays in OKC. Uh, Daryl Morey, um, Dork Elvis works his magic, and somehow they get LeBron under the cap and get him to sign with Houston. Lakers are sitting with a boatload of cash and a lot of young players and young pieces. Um, is that another whiff for the Lakers for yet another free agency offseason? Where they're oh, for sure. Their, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, gone are the days where you're going to get somebody purely because it's L.A. with the motives of being, I'm on, you know, a team that never has to, you know, rebuild. They just, quote, unquote, reload uh, sure. with the 70s, 80s, and, uh, well, not necessarily the early 90s teams, but um, gone are those days, really. And I know they brought in Magic to be the Magic Man, quote, unquote, and maybe to bring some people in, but uh, – if essentially right now you're going to tout Lonzo as your best player, generally good point guards can get other pieces, but it's more of the Zach Randolph moves or maybe at best a Marc Gasol move uh, that you end up getting and not necessarily a LeBron or a Durant move. Uh, so it would definitely be a whiff if they can't get if, – if your big offseason free agent grab is you know, somewhere middle of the road – uh, even someone like a Marcus all uh, that's going to be a huge whiff. So I think about that scenario and I guess the, the bigger question is, can LA handle that whiff? Because I look at it this way. They, so the other day, and this will all make sense, I swear in a second, the Yankees <laughs> traded for uh, Giancarlo Stanton, right? He's going to the Yankees. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, everybody, the, the Yankees were the darlings last year in the playoffs. Everyone loved them. Great story. The Yankees with the young kids were rebuilding. And then they went and pulled a Steinbrenner, damn Yankees move, right? Which I, which I loved. Like, yep. the Yankees aren't the farm system team. They aren't the young crop. You know, right. the Jeter and the Bernie Williams thing, to me, was an anomaly. Definitely. The history of the, uh, the Lakers, the Yankees, is, you know, signing Reggie Jackson, uh, signing uh, Mark Teixeira, signing all these guys, getting these big names. That's what the Yankees do. And I think yep. baseball is better when the Yankees are the evil empire. I love yep. it. So, and I turned and I said, okay, Lakers, it's your turn to go get LeBron, go get Paul George and do the Laker thing, right? But then I thought about it. So it'll seem like a whiff to everyone, obviously, if they don't get George and they don't get James uh, on their roster this summer. But they got young pieces there. I wonder, do they have the stomach? It's kind of like, you know, you say, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I got my reunion coming up, so I'm going to lose 10 pounds this week. Right. You starve yourself and you bust your ass. But it's like, okay, I'm, you know, that's this is not healthy. I'm really not going to lose 10 pounds next week. My suit's right. going to be a little tight at the reunion. But, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to change my diet. And then at the end of the year, we'll see if I got that 10 pounds off. The fat Lakers, <laughs> can they do they have what it takes to say, yeah, we whiffed on these guys, but we're going to have cap discipline and say, look, we didn't get the guys we wanted, 
So we're going to keep this core building, growing. Our team is still super young. We're going to go Boston Celtics, as painful as it may be for them to say. We're going to go Boston Celtics West. we got our young talent. we got cap space. We have draft picks. And we're going to keep building this thing. And when somebody, when we hit big, Blackjack 21, then we'll get two, you know, two big time mega free agents uh, back in the purple and gold. I wonder, do they have the patience for that? Or are they going to go, Mozgov, here's four years, $52 million. Right. Gang, here's some ungodly contract that I can't even remember the numbers on. Are they going to do that for Mark Gasol or for, you know, another, like an old, like a Zach Randolph just throwing out a name? Are they going to overpay for those guys just to say they have names to get the turnstile going? Or are they actually going to say, look, we're committed to rebuilding this franchise. We got our young core in place. You know, nothing's out there too rich for our blood. We missed on George. We missed on LeBron. We're just going to keep plugging away um, all of the Celtics until we get the pieces we want. So I, I guess they've never in recent years really been in this type of scenario. The dreaded end of Kobe's career was monster contracts to him and not very much cap space. And the cap space you did maybe have for uh, bringing in a big name player, uh, whether they wanted to play with Kobe or not, got brought up and all those reasons. So the Yankees example is key because with no cap, uh, salary cap, you can offer any amount of money you want, and that's how you get the big names. You sure. have to really have cap space in the NBA to be able to get somebody for those extra extra dollars that maybe they're not making off the court in deals. And those are the Andre Drummonds of the world or the Greg Monroe's of the world. The, the, that's not Durant. That's not LeBron, where they're just going to pick places that suit them rather than, well, I'm going to get this extra $5 million because the Lakers have cap. So you do have young players and young talent, but honestly, I see I see them going for the Drummond-type players where it's second or maybe third-tier star, and eventually if Lonzo doesn't work out, he's, he's going to be your touted player regardless. Um, I don't see anybody else really taking over maybe the – the uh, front of the tickets as they more so than players Ingram, in the front who's, who's showing more so than Ingram who's showing some great skill and improvement uh, in his was the second season for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they're good. I see more a scenario where they they're able to package some of that young talent and maybe get a decent player, but I, I don't, the, the, the days of getting a LeBron type, I don't think are there because the advantages that there were in the seventies and eighties, getting the prime time uh, on TV and uh, just everything that goes with LA. I, I don't think that that's there anymore. So I see them with getting a, a Greg Monroe type and really just overpaying for players. Which would be um, to borrow a line from uh, the great uh, Kevin McHale, tragic as in tragic. Johnson. Yes. If that's uh, very tragic. Uh, and that would bring back the tragic Johnson. Yeah, uh, for younger players uh, that are become or younger fans that are LA fans now that don't know Magic Johnson from his playing days, yep, that will become the new Jordan meme because people <laughs> have forgotten that he was that good and he's now just a cry face Jordan meme. It just breaks my heart, but that's what it is. <laughs> Down to a meme. You know what? First of all, uh, again, shout out to the Celtic Express Pod. Check that out. We're talking Kevin McHale and Tragic Johnson uh, for all you. Uh, 
diehard chowders. Uh, check out Celtic gotcha. Express. Good, good pod. Uh, way to catch up on everything Celtic. Um, just want to put a plug in there. Uh, nice. Yeah, uh, Jordan. I mean, I get the cry meme, and it, it's kind of run its course. I get it. Uh, I never, you know, don't laugh at it when I see it. By the way, on Twitter. Um, but I think Jordan did this to himself with those high jeans. Like, why? Oh, he has got the ultimate. He, I don't even know if they're dad jeans because I don't I see dads wearing say, them. Like, like my who? dad, his <laughs> jean game was decent. I mean, it wasn't the Calvin Klein model, but I mean, my it, dad. It is the jeans. it is the high jeans with the with the super tucked in. I want to say almost turtleneck long sleeve shirts. Maybe I mean, it's it the is. Tuck. Is it the tuck? Maybe it's the tuck. It's got to, maybe it's the tuck that makes him look high waisted, but I, I feel like his suit game is extremely 1980, and it is it's awful. So, I, <laughs> I just I can't. He's the goat. But I can't like those jeans. He is, man. But that uh, it's. And you said it like he is in a turtleneck like 75 percent of the time, and he's well, he's and he's sharp. not even. It's not even like he's aged poorly. He's right. he's not you know oh. a, he's not the Charles Barkley 80 pounds overweight from playing days and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, his considering the amount of money he has, you would think that somebody would help him out with style. <laughs> anyway, so quick question: Who do you think looks the best in in um, in retirement? Let's go from the uh, from the '92 Dream Team. Who are those guys that you've seen? Like, ah, oh, he still looks like you know. Right uh, still looks like they could play. Uh, Stockton looks like he could probably still play. Uh, I saw him in an interview uh, a year ago, and he looks basically the same person. Uh, probably Carl Malone. I'm sure he's a guy that stays in shape. Uh, I thought Maybe. Glide looks Maybe. good. Glide still does the pregame. You know what he does? Yeah, you're right. I'll, yeah, Clyde looks pretty good. Uh, I, you know, if Jordan came back and played, I'd still put money on Jordan over everybody right. else. Jordan can beat uh, now if you let the internet. Oh, absolutely. It's 10-0, Skip Bayless style. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe those players. Uh, I don't know who's really aged poorly. Maybe Patrick Ewing. He looks a little heavy now, right. a little gaunt. Uh, <laughs> Barkley, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, um, he's probably the best. Chris Mullen looks like maybe he could still play. Mullen, Scotty looks good. My guy, my, no, my Scotty hero. does. Yeah, I've seen him on a few shows. Yeah, he, he, I guess everyone's pretty kept in pretty good, decent shape. Maybe Barkley and Ewing are the are the worst examples. Yeah. I mean, I saw yeah. that video where he's trying to back down Dwayne Wade. And I mean, it, it looks like he's never played basketball before. <laughs> it is so bad. <laughs> the the uh, days of the step back on David Robinson from the top of the key, those days are gone. You've uh, you've given me a great segue, my friend, talking about um, getting out there and running up and down. Um, our right. playing days are are over for anything of, of substance, yes. I think. But I think we can agree that we both like getting out there and, and working up a sweat. Um my sister sent me this tweet. Um, let's see, for this guy, uh, I think his name is Blended Universe, and I'll play it for the audience. Apologize, there's audio here. But this young man, um, I guess, just finished a run at the 24-Hour Fitness uh, in the Dallas area, and I'll play the tweet, and uh, I'll play the video he recorded and tweeted, and uh, this is his take on open runs and gym runs. Uh, we'll listen to it, and... Uh, Talk about it a little bit. So here goes. Let's see if I can load this up. Hey, 
if you didn't make it, bro, you gotta stop taking yourself so seriously on the court, nigga. Pass the fucking ball, bro. Y'all niggas acting like y'all niggas is really some NBA Looper, 2K, fucking 17, K to Rad, Steph Curry ass niggas. I'm like, bro, we at the 24 in North Texas, bro. Don't nobody who know who the fuck you are. Don't nobody care who the fuck you are, nigga. I don't care who you was in high school, my nigga. I don't care how many recruits you had, my nigga. You work at UPS now, bro. So pass me the motherfucking ball. I don't give a fuck if I miss this jump shot, nigga. We gonna get back on defense and get the ball back, my nigga. Don't nobody care about how many points you scored in your sophomore year of high school, my nigga. You ain't shit now, nigga. You a regular nigga like the rest of us. Hooping at the gym, nigga. Just trying to have some fun, get some cardio in, nigga. Pass the ball. I don't care if that little nigga can't dribble. He still deserves to touch the motherfucking ball because he paid to come to the gym like you. They didn't say you have to be on a, on a certain level of skill to hop on the court, nigga. Did they? No. Nobody cares if you want to stay in high school? No. Nobody cares. How the fuck are you trying to act like you somebody, nigga? I never heard of you, my nigga. Pass the ball. And don't look at me crazy when you see me swing the ball to somebody else beside you like, nah. If it's not you, it's a bad pass. Nah. Nah. Nigga, quit fucking sighing over there, nigga. Act like a little bitch. God damn, I hate niggas to take yourself too serious on the court, nigga. Like, if you were supposed to be there, nigga, you be there, nigga. You would not be hooping with me, my nigga, because I am not a hooper. If we are on the same floor, nigga, humble yourself. Sit down like Kendrick Lamar say, nigga. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so good. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that, I'll let you go first, but that was from at Blended Universe. goes by the name Pablo007, um, and uh, he had a lot to get off his chest uh, <laughs> about these open runs. Um, now, while he made good points, <laughs> I'm going to be the contrarian here because – now, let's just say you've been out of the game for a few years. You know the games in town where if you haven't played in a while, you don't want to just step into those games. You may want to try to find a separate game that may be a little bit less talented to allow you to get back in the flow of things. Everyone is aware of, of open runs that are top-notch and ones that aren't. Uh, so I would say the the theory of everyone deserves to touch the ball or everyone's there for cardio. He may be there for cardio, but everybody else there is not there for cardio. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep score. They would just say, good shot, everybody, and no one will play defense, even though there's a lot of times no one does play defense. But he strikes me as a guy that plays way too hard a defense and probably fouls too much. So he's, he is the fowler on the fowler, court. which, okay. Yeah. He's the ex NFL player that wanted to play in the NFL. And now he's transitioning to basketball and thinks everybody's weak. So I don't disagree, but I will say this, this clip made me think because I, you know, fancied myself somewhat of a hooper and I agree hundred percent, you know, okay. They're running out of the college or it's right. summer league and, and the pros are back or the local guys are back, you know, okay, that's not my game. There are levels to this, right? Right, right. I, I totally agree with that. I also agree with the premise that basically there are two kinds of people playing basketball, and you can apply this to anything, right? You can apply it to someone acting in the, in the local play in the community theater. You can apply it to someone playing softball versus the major leagues. There are two kinds of people doing those activities. The people that we pay to watch them do it and the people that pay to do it. Right. So if you're at the 24 hour fitness and 
you know, your your neighborhood or your hometown, you paid a membership fee to use their facilities. If LeBron James walks in, 24-hour fitness is saying, hey, it's on us. You come in or we'll go to a Cavs game and watch LeBron James. So I think those are the two categories. Either you're getting paid to play basketball or you're not. So my man says, if you were supposed to be there, you'd be there. I am a firm believer in (laughs) the best flute player gets the flute. So if you are, you know, if you're supposed to be there, you're going to be there. If you're not. Well, let me let me pose a hypothetical then, because that that statement raises a, a theory that I've always had, that the greatest NBA player of all time actually never played in the NBA. Because you, you have like, to look you sound at like my uncles. Well, look at the sheer numbers of players that didn't make it for whatever reason. Sure. Uh, drugs or arrested or any scenario that plays out that allows you not to make it versus the amount of players that get to the league are it's just such a, a less number for actual NBA players that there has got to be a player out there that actually would have been the best of all time and that player is showing up at the local 24 and he is getting to play and you may not know him but that doesn't stop him from maybe scoring all 15 points on you. Let me ask you this. Do you, or do you, are you the guy that makes the noise? Is the guy that's not supposed to be shooting shoots the rock? No, I'm more of the guy that does distribute to everybody, but with well knowledge or, or, or knowledge of what the score is in the game. If it's opening buckets and the game's starting out slowly, I'm going to get everybody involved. But as soon as I realize there's somebody on a mismatch, then I'm force feeding it. So, so everyone gets their, you get your, you get your chance to show me that you can play. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works. You have your opportunity. It's equal opportunity. Yes, at that you, point. Yeah. you get your opportunity. Now it may only be one or two shots, but I'm having to take in effect your age, what your apparel is, because if you've got jeans on, you're not getting the ball. <laughs> Please explain. Cause I have my theory on jeans guy too. The jeans guy is going to outwork everybody, but not necessarily on the offensive end. You want the jeans guy on your team for defense, rebounding, and maybe toughness. But <laughs> have you ever seen anyone in 24-hour gym light it up in jeans? I haven't seen that. My sister says if you're playing with a guy in jeans, you got to be careful because he's been to jail before. So <laughs> that is, that is so emphasis on toughness. Yes, jeans guy. Yes, toughness is, and yeah. defense. You and, may have to play defense in prison. I've so heard a rumor. What? <laughs> that's how that goes. Okay, so going by apparel, that's, you bring up another point. I have this yes. sort of hard, fast rule uh, in terms of guys that can and cannot play. NBA apparel, college apparel. Guys wearing the official shorts and like a T-shirt, that's fine. Guys wearing the official jersey and just some different mismatch shorts, that's fine. Any guy that is wearing the full uniform cannot hoop. If you match everything, you you cannot hoop. You cannot play. That is, that is a, I think that's a well-known theory. I would say, I agree with you. Um, What do you think about, so you were talking a second ago about, okay, winning is the objective. You're going out there to win, right? But we've played at different places in our hometown. And this is probably the same for other people's hometown. Uh, in Midland, Texas, there is the YMCA downtown and they have a rule, you know, like most YMCAs, they play at lunchtime and they have a rule known as doubling up. In other words, if you right. play two, you got to go to the next court. You're off the court either way. So right. even if you're undefeated, you know, you, you're still going off the court and then we pick new teams. 
does that change your math? In other words, you're trying to get all the sort of lunchtime victories you can, try to rack up the the rings like Jordan. But it's like, okay, we're getting off the court anyway. Um, you know, maybe I'll distribute the ball a little more sort of evenly uh, because we got to get off the court anyway. Or are you even more laser focused? Like, man, I got two runs here. I'm trying to get these chips and then get off the court as a champion. Well, so basically it, you have to take notice of who is either called next or who else is in the gym. Because if you value your talent as a high level talent out of the rest of the people that are waiting to play and may need more off the uh, losing team in that second potential win game, I'll, I'll actually throw a game in order to lose that that second victory. You get the first one. Right. You get it close in the second one. You throw that game because you know you're getting picked up for the potential run of another two games. So it allows you to never leave the court. And no one can get mad at you for throwing the game because then you can bring up, oh, I thought everyone was just here for cardio. <laughs> so you're allowed to work the system. So that's what I was going to ask you. That one guy that is clearly just mailing it in, right? He's sitting on his hand. Right like, you know, begging for a trade, right? Basically. So he's right. like, I know the next squad is going to be dope and I'm out here jacking from 30 feet out, not giving a crap on defense. Uh, you know, and so you've admitted, I was going to ask you about what do you, what do you thought about that guy? But you've clearly admitted that you are that guy from time to time. Yes, I can be that guy. If I, now, if I see that the competition in the rest of the gym, it's going to be iffy and, or they just have enough players to bring in the next squad then you just go ahead and try to win the game, period. But if you think there's a chance for you to get back on and you basically, because you only have an hour at lunch and, and normal scenarios, the gym or the games are going to last two hours, two and a half hours. So you've got to get full potential in there if you're only going to be there for a certain amount of time. And that's the best way to do it. Now, are you, what is your philosophy now on the runs you select? Let's say there's a I mean, there's a city league here in Seattle, and they have different levels. They have sort of competitive, and these guys that I think are still in great shape, way better shape than I'm in. Um, those are the good runs, and I think in my mind's eye, I was a player like that at one point in time, but I have to face reality, sort of like the Lakers in free agency and realize I'm no <laughs> longer that player. So I'm, uh, you know, a tier down. But uh, what is your philosophy on those runs? Do you go for the super competitive runs? I might get smashed on by a guy but these are some good games and this is, this is I think what hoop should be like in its purest form. Or do you go with guys with uh, maybe a lower basketball IQ, i.e. bad decisions, but um, a bad decision on the court, but you're getting more burn and um, you know, maybe getting a little more, a little more shine in those scenarios. What is your thought? I'm a, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the last thing that leaves people that are good shooters is actually their shooting. You'll lose a step, dribbling or even playing defense but as long as you can spot up and shoot you have value really at any level um play with competent players versus taking a game where you got more ex-football players that are really interested in either fouling or playing way too hard a defense that includes fouling uh they think it's it's terrific defense but it's not it's fouling um, I'd, I'd rather play with the upper level players uh, just because you know that you still have some value because you can shoot the ball. Uh, but it's purely based off that. If I notice that, yeah, I may be able to shoot the ball, but everybody out there is six, five, six, six, and who am I going to defend? That doesn't necessarily waver my thought in 
if my the guy that I'm guarding is going to roast me because I'll have the opportunity to come back at him. So uh, upper level has got to be where it's at. Now, if I haven't played in years, then you got to take the lower. But as long as you've been playing a little bit, I would always choose the upper game. So to to my man uh, Pablo 007's point, when you have – you know, the ex all-star in there who would be in the league, but for politics, right. Um, right. Coach or whatever, when you're on the court with that guy and this guy's being obnoxious and telling you to pass, making noises, do you respond directly or what's your, what's your approach to those guys? So you, you cannot step in those higher level games. If nobody knows you and miss three or four in a row, <laughs> you, you, you bet you just cancel that day and you have to come back the next day where hopefully those same guys aren't there you have to prove yourself initially. And that guy that uh, talks a lot or maybe thinks he's the best in the gym and, and maybe he is the best in the gym, uh, you will get respect from that if you are able to make some shots. And it's, it literally is as simple as that. If you can make shots, then you'll stay on the court. And last question. Uh, in your experience, um, does the Billy Hoyle white man can't jump racism still – Peer its ugly head out when you go play at open gym. Yes. Uh, but it largely, it largely comes more from the younger generation, actually, who may have not seen you play uh, older. You continually get respect, obviously, around the players that you've played around. Uh, right. But I also do think that most people assume that white guys can shoot. So right. Right. I, I would say now where, where the disrespect happens is whether they can jump high or play defense or actually handle the ball. So if you can do something else besides shooting and including shooting, then it's real easy to start getting respect in the game. Uh, but again, if you go out there and you miss shots, that's the one thing they think you can do and you're not doing it. Then that's it for you. You're done. You're done for the day. So they push up on you. They're like, go to shooter, shooter. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's automatically, or it's the, he needs to make one shot first and then I'm going to attempt to play basketball uh, defense on him. So uh, it's really those two scenarios, I'd say. Let me ask you this. Have you ever felt patronized when you hit a shot on a guy, you knock it down and your defender happens to be of African-American descent and the guys are like, oh, shit, Chris got him. Oh, like, it's like really, you know, like you just learned how to read or something. Like, have you ever had You know, that it's more it, – I actually – it's not from shooting in those scenarios. It's more uh, – so if you have handles, it's more of a you've proved to everyone that you now have handles versus – they should have expected me to have handles because again, they don't expect the white guy to have handles. So it's not a pay. It's not a patronizing scenario at all. Uh, again, because I, I think that everyone believes white most white guys can just come into a gym and shoot. <laughs> right. Right off the bus. Right. <laughs> yes. That's, that's just what it seems like. <laughs> Hello. You know, I, I, I'd, I'd like to hear from him. I'd like to see how the open runs are going and, and what's shaking in the uh, 24 hour fitness. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that will do it for this edition of the Shuttlesworth Initiative podcast. Uh, for Chris Green, I am your co-host, Jay Christian, saying thank you so much for listening to us, checking in again. Um, also, we want to remind you to subscribe to our pod uh, by clicking that subscribe button, iTunes. You can also find us on Blog Talk Radio and the otgbasketball.com website. Chris, always a pleasure, my man. Jay, appreciate it. And uh, now everyone knows that I can shoot and handle the ball. So it's been a pretty good day. <laughs> Scouting reports out there, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. All right, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, appreciate it.